<laughs> so we we tussled and we fought and we both fell over the waterfall <laughs> and I died. But due to reader demand, I was brought back several years later because people just can't leave good things alone. Oh, that is. Oh. It's the time. It's a, the age-old tale. It's timeless el- story. It's elementary, my dear Watson. <laughs> oh! On a serious oh. note, how many times have people made that joke to you? Very few. Really? Yeah. I find that surprising. Oh, a lot of people don't read. Ah, fair play. So, but a lot of people know the slang for penis. Yeah. As yeah. I have learned over the years, thanks to my surname. <laughs> Speaking of penis, hello you. <laughs> Welcome to the Big Damn Cast. I am a bag of grain. And I am the milk you drink to make you feel good. Mm, he's the one they call Dr. Feel Good. Milk does a body good. <laughs> got milk? Want some? Uh, yeah. We have got some things to talk about this week. Have including, we? <laughs> well, I don't know. That's either a contents list or a shopping Are list. Are you sure? Uh, let's see what it says. Uh, milk. Oh, right. Oh, well, there you go. Okay, Just yeah. milk. We're going to talk about milk this week. We're going to talk about Misty Night. Yes, by we Only are. Calm. Oh, yeah, we are. We're going to talk about uh, <laughs> the episode titles for Punisher's Netflix series. Yes, we are. We're going to talk about the fact that Jack Kirby recently would have had his 100th birthday. Were he alive Were he still with and us? also yeah. healthy enough to have reached 100. Yeah, well. <laughs> Not um, chain smoking in his studio every day and um, giant cigars. We're going to talk a little bit about the Hitman's Bodyguard, because I, I saw it. <laughs> so you don't have to. Is it um, a film that defends the Hitman movies? No. Oh, false advertising. Those, those, those movies are indefensible. Cinematic Universe, deconfirmed. Uh, we're going to talk a little about a bit about Game of the Thrones, yes. which recently finished, wrapped up its seventh season. I love Game of the Thrones. I love and... it when they take the ring to the flaming mountain. <laughs> and... Our usual Rick and Morty corner. Also. Yes, yes. And the whirly dirly conspiracy. We'll also be answering your emails. Yes. Not any old emails. Your emails. So make them good, he says to people in the past. So first, <laughs> let's talk about Misty Knight. One of the highlights of, of the two Netflix series she's appeared in at this point. Yeah. Luke Cage and... The Defenders. The Defenders. Um, Full title. It's finally, spoilers for Defenders. Uh, finally, I should say, like it's well, a good thing. If you watch Luke Cage season one and you've not seen Defenders, remember that giant hint that one of the thugs made to her that he was going to rip her arm off? Yeah. Uh, Defenders, her arm gets taken off. Um, fans of the comics obviously know Misty Knight for having a bionic arm. Yep. So it was sort of, oh, will they ever get around to it in Netflix? Probably not. Oh, there's an Easter egg reference to her losing an yeah, arm. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's cool. Okay, moving up. Nope, end of Defenders. So Off it comes. I'm assuming because like Jessica Jones season two has been filming outdoors, so they confirmed before anyone else did that David Tennant was back as Kilgrave in some mm-hmm. capacity. I'm assuming they're about to start filming outdoors for Luke Cage season two, which they've already started filming. So, Entertainment Weekly got a bunch of new shots of the show. Mostly shots of just Luke in various locations looking fine! As, as, Mike, as Mike Coulter does. He's a beautiful man. That, that he is. Um, I was going to quote um, that terrible line from White Chicks there, but I'm not good. <laughs> Blame George Rockall Schmidt for putting that in my head. Um, Absolutely not. <laughs> but he is a beautiful man. He is a beautiful man. Um, so, one of the shots, however, is of him and Simone Masick. 
Simone Missick. Missick. Um, Miss the Unite kick. Um, in a parking lot, packing a goddamn bionic arm. Oh, yeah. She's got it. And you you pointed out what makes it work so well, is it just sort of looks like an advanced prosthetic. Mm-hmm. They've not gone, like, full-blown sci-fi. They've gone, oh, look. Like the top sort it's of... It's something that you could believably see, although it'll probably function slightly differently. The top sort of sleeve of it is transparent. So you can see it slotted over what remains of her arm yeah. with a little bit of electrode nonsense plugged into mm-hmm. um, her, well, what's left of her upper arm. Um, and then the rest of it just looks like a, a glove. Mm. So it's clearly a really simple prosthetic to just, oh, but it, relatively but... simple, I should say, it probably takes about an hour or so to put on, but <laughs> it looks like a relatively simple prosthetic and a little bit, you know, will not allow her to move and stuff. So it should work quite nicely. It's got that slight metallic sheen to the glove part yeah. and everything and the, the, the elbow joint look, sort of looks sturdy. Yeah. Um, she's wielding a gun so it's quite possible that that arm is going to see some action besides basic functions. Yep. Um, I think that if Danny Rand's funded for this it wouldn't exactly be a bad idea to give it at least a Buzz Lightyear karate chop action. Yeah, well, well, quite, quite. <laughs> Um, oh my god, she has an iron fist! She does have an iron fist. And she won't be saddled with the burden of it. Well, it's probably stainless steel and polycarbonate or something, I don't know. Uh, aluminium. Al- aluminium. <laughs> aluminium arm. So iron fist and aluminium arm. So it won't stick to magnets, but it will crumple the moment she sits on it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Misty Knight, robotic arm, as it should be. Oh, well, All just, is right with the world. She just looks fucking cool. Well, she is cool. Straight up. She's also fine. Janelle um, says fine. Um, Morse code. Morse code. It's been yes, used so for many, many years to, to transmit bits of information that you don't necessarily want overheard or overseen. And it's also a nice way to let stuff slip under the radar. Unless, of course, you run a Twitter account for a verified Netflix show that's got hundreds of thousands of followers. And nothing can slip under a radar. People are going like to notice. That. People are going to notice it, Morse code or not. As they did. The Twitter account for Netflix is The Punisher. Started to point out a bunch of tweets the other day. A lot of dots and dashes with the occasional slash to separate said dots and dashes. People were like, wait, what the hell's going on? And there's some clever dicks. A word? Started translating. What the hell did it reveal? Mattathias, keeper of the wills. Well, originally everyone thought it was going to, it was... Because the first one translated to 3am. So originally everyone was like, oh, they're going to release some more information about the series at 3am. No. Because the next messages, as they came through, 13 in total, it became clear that they were in fact episode titles. Yeah, so The episode titles for the Punisher Netflix series are 3am, Two Dead Men, Kandahar, Resupply, Gunner, the Judas Goat, Crosshairs, Cold Steel, Front Toward Enemy, Virtue of the Vicious, Danger Close, Home, and Memento Mori. Memento Mori. That rings a bell. It's a reminder of your own mortality. That's it. it yeah, it, it translates to remember you will die. Mm-hmm. Do you want to know how I know that? It's the motto of the school in... Uh, book five of a series of unfortunate events. Fun. The Austere Academy. The school's motto is Memento Mori. I know it because of an X-Files episode of the same title. Ah! 
there we are. Um, interesting. Interesting. Different ways for two completely sad nerdy people to learn Latin. Yay. <laughs> X-Files and left many snicket. Yay. So we can assume we're going to be getting some flashbacks to his time in the service, but we already mm. kind of knew that from the trailer. Yeah, we, 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 think, we figured that that's, a, that's an easy way to sort of bring your series about and create set pieces that are believable, but also not too expensive to put yeah. together. Um, but I, also it means we learn more about Frank. Are we going to see more of um, Clancy Brown, do you think? Oh, his flashbacks, yeah. Yeah, because obviously in Daredevil Series 2, he was the, the butcher, wasn't he? Was yeah. His, his sort of, his, his cover name. Maybe it was, it was his ex, um, was he his, was he his sergeant or something? He, he, was, he was a superior he was, to him in the military. Yeah, he was uh, Frank Co. Um, spoiler alert, probably won't be around in present day anymore. Mm, no. Nah. But it'd be a good way to get him back in the show, because everything needs more Clancy Brown. More on that later, Rick and Morty. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I'm just... I'm psyched. And the thing is, title-wise, they don't give anything away, but they definitely set a tone. Oh, yeah. There's going to be some violence in this. Mm. Violence, betrayal, and some flashbacks. Yeah. And Karen Page. Front toward enemy. And Karen Page. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just... I can't wait for Burnthal. Like, I just want more Punisher. I just, I just, like I say, I hope it's... What it's not doing is um, sort of promoting him as a hero. And it's yeah, very clear it needs about to the fact that he's in a gray area. Oh, it, not even the gray area. Like he's, oh, he's, oh, no, he's yeah. definitely towards the darker end of a gray area. Oh yeah, no. But the thing um, is, like, he, what he's doing is he's doing because he feels it's the right thing to do. But you need to show that it's not the right choice. Like it, it's mm. well, we talked about this in the week. Is it's like the Punisher. The Punisher is an anti-hero emphasis on anti. Yeah. More than hero, um, he's not the bad guy, but he ain't a good guy either. <laughs> Um, yes so you need to I think that's why Karen's in there because they're going to push obviously like her going Frank you're a fucking psychopath stop stop this. this stop this madness I would I would be against if by the end of the series he tweaks his philosophy and approach so it's not like he's forgiven but by the end of it he's more targeted as opposed to like Arrow where he spends the entire first season killing dudes and then from the second season onwards goes I can't kill dudes anymore I have stopped killing people yeah I'm really sorry for all the people I killed, but I'm good now. I'm so sorry for killing people. Also, can I wear an actual mask this series? Yes, please. Um, um, so yeah. I, but I, yeah, I want it to be bloody. I want it to be brutal. And I want us to go, that was really cool. I never want to be in the same room as Frank Castle ever. Mm. John Bernthal, on the other hand, yes. We'll give him a big hug and say, dude, you're amazing. Uh, what is next in the world of stuff? Um, That's a new sting, by the way. What is next to the world of stuff? Um, Jack Kirby, one of is, the what's he been doing? One of the architects <laughs> of the Marvel universe as we know it. Probably the along with Stan Lee, the main architect of the Marvel universe. There are it. there are several pillars holding up the the temple that is Marvel as we know it today. Mm-hmm. Jack is definitely one of those pillars. Yeah, and those um, people without who... his work ethic and his like continued dedication. To churn out quality that man work. cranked out books like there was no tomorrow he cranked out <clears throat> comics like you masturbate <clears throat> he, listener. he 17 times a day varying degrees of quality he did like, ultimately satisfying by the end he did over a hundred issues of fantastic four with stanley yeah, he drew the avengers um he drew like Iron Man and Thor and Captain America strips mm. in their various anthology titles, Tales of Suspense, um, uh, Tales to Astonish, 
Strange Tales, um, DuckTales, like DuckTales, Sonic and Tales, Journey into Mystery. Uh, drew the uh, the Nick Fury, some, the early Nick Fury stuff. Head between in, his uh, legs, chasing his tails. Yeah, in Tales to Astonish. Um, do the Hulk. Tailspin. Like, just always drawing tails. And it just his sort of. All of those were factual apart from the ones I said, just to reiterate that fact to people who might be confused. And that was just a marvel. He would later yeah, on he to, moved on to, to DC, create the, the the new gods over at DC, and um, it's just crazy the sort of influence he had and the amount of stuff he created. It sadly, you know, it, it, we went through a long period of of Stanley taking all the credit, mm. and it's only in the last sort of like twenty or so years that. People have more recognition has been given to Jack Kirby and um... Stan. Stan himself has sort of been a big part of turning that yeah. around as well. Like he's because uh, I, I mean, again, we don't know everything that happened in those rooms, but that you do get a sense from a lot of the stuff I've read that Stan didn't reluctantly become the figurehead at all. Like he obviously was enjoying it, yeah, but it was almost like a, if he could go back and do it differently now, he would have made a point of being like, "We are the people who bring you this." I'm just presenting it all to you. Yeah. Um, because especially like recently Jack was honoured this year at D23. He, Jack Kirby was inducted into the Disney, Walt Disney Hall of Fame. Yep. Um, and it made a Disney, le- is it Disney legend or Disney icon? Uh, Disney icon. He's made, made like, you know, sort of, which is a big honour in terms of media and storytelling, especially because I remember reading somewhere that like Jack was a very fond of Walt Disney as well. Like, yeah. And stuff that he did, because obviously he was an animator and an illustrator who, became a filmmaker and storyteller. A hell of a story. Um so like so Jack being inducted into into this in the D twenty three like celebrations was perfect. And Stanley said some words. When Stanley was also inducted this year, his speech, very briefly he touched on the fact that he wanted to thank everyone for his thank everyone for their support recently, because unfortunately yeah, his wife passed away shortly before. But then he spent the rest of his speech basically talking up Jack Kirby. Yeah. And you get the sense that, you know, it's like no seriously like Thank you, everybody, for recognizing me. But here I am, probably toward the end of my life, like wanted to point out this man meant a lot. Um, and like you say, it's a shame that he didn't get it as much at the time. But I wonder whether or not he even would have um, been the one to sort of take spotlight as well in some instances, because apparently he was quite um, a quiet guy, wasn't he? He just sort of get yeah. up, sit in his studio. And just work. draw. Just and, draw and uh, draw. Sometimes, obviously, that was down to because of the amount of work he had to get done. Oh, yeah. But, like, even sort of like when he was on one book, he would still just stay in his studio and work on stuff, stay in his study. Uh, there's a reason he was called the king. Yeah. I mean, I, just look. <laughs> You're looking at your shelf, it's, and I can see you glancing for titles. Just, it's not even glancing for titles, it's just like. Trying to think of uh, certainly a Marvel property that doesn't have his influence on it. And the only major Marvel character that he never really drew in those formative years was Spider Man. Yeah, that was Steve Ditko's terrain. Oh, and yeah. Doctor Strange as well. I was gonna say um, you got a poster. There's a poster just in front of where we are now. Yeah, um, covered in different covers from mostly the '60s. Um, but the outline of it, I'm looking at all the characters who are on the framing of the poster, all the Marvel characters, and there's probably only about four of them that aren't Jack. In Hulk's, terms of the illustration. Yeah, Hulk's Jack, Human Torch Jack, yeah. uh, Falcon's Jack, uh, Thing's Jack, 
Caps Jack. That's Caps from Jack. Uh, Avengers issue five, isn't it? And from mm. even from before that, Joe he co-created Captain America with he Joe did. Simon. Yeah, of course. Uh, before yeah. the whole Marvel thing started, but um, it was timely. Yeah. So yeah, look at the uh, Thor, obviously. Yeah. Um, Reed, that's him. Reed, that's Jack. Reed Richards. That's the that's a Jack. <laughs> jiggity, jiggity, Jack. Um, and uh, you know, towards the end of the sixties, he took a step back um, from from that kind of thing as, as, as the sort of second wave Marvel characters like Daredevil started coming through. Mm. Um, but he was always the go-to guy at Marvel. If you wanted something to be good, you'd give it to Jack Kirby. And he, he drew like four or five books a month. Mm. You think of, just a, think of a modern artist doing that. I mean, that's also part of the way that the quality of comics art has changed, but Think of a modern artist drawing four or five books a month. But not just that. It doesn't happen. The Marvel method was very much in practice in the 60s. Yeah. Where because of how many books like Stan was working on and, and like Jack and Steve and whatnot, because of the amount of books they were all doing, sometimes it'd be a case of Stan would just give story pointers to them. Yeah, and they just they write draw and draw it, And then Stan would either fill in dialogue later or he'd get it back and Jack would be like, oh, I did the dialogue as well. Yeah. And Stan's like, oh, Oh, great. Okay. Oh, okay. And then you just fine. edit it and go, oh, right, fine. Publish. There we go. Um, Jack was not only drawing, he was direct. He was the direct. Because comic, as an illustrator, it, it's a, as a, for writers and artists, it's a collaboration. Technically, you are directing the book. If the if a comic book yeah. is, a, is a TV episode, you're directing it together. But one can take over more than the other. And Jack was a, I mean, Jack, if Jack had any inclination to have done it and would have been given a studio and a budget, Imagine the sort of like film he could have made, yeah, because of his like the eye he had, and again, like just the amount of panels he would tell stories very traditionally in terms of his layout. It'd be like you know three by three by three, just like rows yeah, of panels, a lot of time, yeah, very st- straightforward. I mean, stuff. I mean, like that first volume of Fantastic Four, the first Masterworks volume, and it's it's very, it's very traditional in its layouts. But it's the pacing thing but, as well. Yeah. It just flows so well. And also as he gets further into it, the sort of weird, strange machines that he draws. Mm. And it's, it gets it gets strange and sort of... Yeah, and he's sort of primal, jagged faces and everyone's sort of... Everyone's bodies are sort of racked with effort and strain mm. in everything they do. Oh, and but there's, there's this very sort of... It's a very Greek approach to yeah. performance. Like everyone big, like, gestures. Everyone and, looks like they're severely constipated at all times. Yeah. But in a, <laughs> but in a good way. Yeah, right? like in a way where you can believe an emotion is being yeah, like, yeah. Pro- pro- portrayed by these characters. There's, a, there's something going on behind that look of, oh, I really need to shit! This man, this um, monster, this BM! Uh, yes. Um, yeah. And... <laughs> That was one of his covers, wasn't it? Would have been Fantastic Four. The, this the, this man, this monster, the thing cover. Yeah, yes. that's, that's somewhere in the first hundred. Yeah. Um, yeah. but again, just designs as well. Like he would have designed these like iconic looking characters. Obviously, Fantastic Four. Like the look of them. The one that comes to mind, as far as I'm concerned, from his Marvel work, which I think is his biggest triumph, is Doctor Doom. Mm. The look of that character, mm. a character who like a bunch of our listeners probably still think. What? Doctor Doom, the guy from the shit Fantastic Four movies. Oh, man. Read some books, guys. Doctor Doom is the greatest Marvel villain. Doctor Doom is awesome. And he's... I mean, he's, I, you know, different stories, different writers, but he's at his most consistently enjoyable as a character in that first hundred oh, run yeah, yeah. of Fantastic Four. Because he's just so evil. He's just straight up evil. That mask just looks hot. Like, when I was illustrating a lot as a teen, I wanted to, I wanted to be a comic book illustrator when I, when I was growing up, and I... Doom was one of the toughest ones to draw. Mm. Because as soon as you focused on the mask, 
there was so much going on in that face. That yeah. simple, unmoving, unemoting face, apart from the eyes. And Kirby always took advantage of the eyes of Doctor Doom. Because mm-hmm. that's the only part of him that actually is emoting. But at the same time, you felt the menace in the mask. You, you could... Oh, it's amazing. Like, just the idea that... Like, Spider-Man, for example... You know, the eyes moved to sort of like that. Over time, the artists started to introduce that. Jeremy Senior dipped into it. And then especially yeah. in the 80s and 90s, artists really took advantage of Spidey's eyes moving to gesture. Yeah, things. yeah. Um, Kirby had Doom's face. Yeah. And Doom couldn't do that. You couldn't see his eyebrows. You could just see his eyes through the slats in the mask. That's it. Sometimes not even that. Sometimes he'd shade them in. Yeah. Shadow. So just these black eyes staring at you. But he could always convey exactly what Victor Von Doom was thinking or feeling through that unmoving face. It'd be like a Cyberman somehow being emotionally relatable, even though it's not bloody changing at all. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, it's, ju- it's just like to do with the shadow and the positioning of it all. And also his sort of Kirby's layouts and sort of dynamic sense of motion as well. Layouts? Kirby Crackle. A Kirby Crackle. Dude invented like the look of the cosmic universe in comic books. Apparently invented it by uh, Cigar Ash that had fallen onto his illustrations. I love that. That's great. That's a great bit of trivia. Um, yeah. yeah if you, if you don't know Crackle. what Kirby Crackle is, you do. You just don't. You haven't put the name to it. It's that cosmic kind of look of the blotches. Like yeah. The, Kirby dots, they're also called. Yeah. Oh, oh God. Yeah. So you've got this... And they just like crackle inside and you've got like the stretched out environments. Like, yeah. Ditko sort of started with that um, DNA strand-esque look for cosmic stuff. And, and, and he definitely Jack, like... leaned into it with Doctor Strange in yeah. some Strange Tales, yeah. But then but then Jack sort of was like, he, he had his own voice when it came to that stuff. and it, it So was, good. It, it's sort of energy on the page. It looks like energy. Yeah. It's like a living, like light and, and motion evading just, just blotches. Blotches and... that give it a sort give it a crackle, it crackles. Yeah, and you can see that um, most evidently in like Fantastic Four. Particularly when they get deeper into the cosmic stuff. Yeah, anything with Galactus and Silver Surfer. Yeah. And he did it in like New Gods and stuff for, for um, Yeah, DC, yeah. Like, I, I can talk less too. about his DC work just because I'm not as familiar with it. Because hmm. I've always been more of a Marvel guy than a DC guy. Um, and I'm not particularly familiar with the New Gods. Um... But you can see, like, yeah. you take a look at any cover from that run. I've seen a lot of the, I've seen a lot of the art the from, crack- from New Gods, and yeah, and and, other, and you know, there's been some of his other creations have gone to other publishers. I think it was Image did a, did Kirby or Dynamite did a, did a series called Kirby, mm-hmm. which is a lot of his other his other creations and his other ideas and projects. But um, yeah, I mean, you can't you can't deny the influence the man has had on on the genre and the. And then the medium, like it's he was the king, and he created so much of what we love today, and influenced so many of the artists. That um, Javier Polito is always one who I go to. I think that's got a very Kirby esque style. Is he um, the first guy to have drawn a superhero character punching Hitler in the face? Maybe not, but it's definitely the most iconic. Well, absolutely, yeah. The, um, the, co- the cover of it, it's it's Cap- it's a Captain America book. Isn't Captain it? America it's... comics number one. It's just Cap punching Adolf yeah. right in his mouth. It's up there. It's up there on my poster. The very top. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, it's on that screen as well. Yeah. Same one. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> with the three, the, uh, the the pointed shield in the shield shape with the three stars at the top. March of 1941. Oh, my God. So by the time he started creating the Marvel Universe in 61, he'd already been drawing for at least 20 years. Yeah. Like, well, there's a reason why we're bringing him up. He would have been 100 this year. Yeah. 
and he probably still would have been drawing comics. Probably. He's still around, he would have just been churning probably. out Probably. Um, Stanley would still be writing something. It would be, oh god, it would be magical, wouldn't it? Just but, be yeah. like, just, oh god. So we must honour and salute Jack Kirby, the king. Oh, go and read some Fantastic Four, because it's not yeah. like Marvel are going to re- release any more anytime soon. Um... <laughs> Please. Although don't judge it by today's standards in terms of the storytelling. Just look at how pretty Just look it at is. how fun it is. And the character interactions are all yeah, fun. Yeah, it's daft and silly. Mm. And uh, well, I'm gonna be I'm gonna have some more to say about Fantastic Four soon. Um Fantastic Four. Don't need no more. Uh <laughs> I went to the cinema on Sunday. Saturday. Why Sunday. would you do that? Saturday. Saturday. To watch, to watch a film. Saturday. Oh yeah. To watch a film. <laughs> I went to see the Hitman's Bodyguard. Starring Hamuel Hjelhakjol. Starring... And Rahul Arunahul. Starring Deadpool and Nick Fury. Oh, right, I'll do. <laughs> uh, now you're talking my language. It's... Fine. Oh. It's fine. And oh. not like Simone Missick, Mike Coulter. Fine. So not fine. Nope, nope, nope. It's just fine. Fine. It's... <laughs> it's... um. <laughs> serviceably funny although some jokes outstay their welcome it is at its best when it's just Reynolds and Jackson bouncing off each other um, I was going to say what's, what's the what's the premise so like, what, what's the basically there's an evil dictator of course played by Gary Oldman who's oh. on trial okay uh, at the Hague mm-hmm. for war crimes and they haven't been able to get any competent witnesses to testify against him. He's, it, well, they've had plenty of witness testimony, but his lawyer's always been able to get them thrown out as, as unreliable. So the one reliable witness that Interpol have got left is uh, contract killer Darius Kincaid, played that's by Samuel great, L. Jackson. That's a great name. Um, Darius Kincaid. And when the escort mission goes south, due to a mole in Interpol, then... The agent in charge of, of his transport, played by Elodie Young, who's, oh. not, who's not very good, um, as mm. you know, the problems you have with her in Daredevil and the Defenders. Yeah, that's not not just the Daredevil and Defenders. Oh, um, yeah. and she calls her ex, who is a disgraced former AAA rated executive protection agent. Uh, the, movie, <laughs> the movie starts with him losing a client, which is. Apparently, what lost him is AAA status. Oh, okay. Um, he, to that's Michael Bryce playing Ryan Reynolds. Uh, he has to get Kincaid to um, the Hague within twenty four hours. Of course, they hate each other because reasons. Uh, Kincaid has apparently tried to kill Bryce twenty seven times. Already, really? And okay, yeah, because he's been going after his clients. Ah, right. Because there is a moral quandary about at the centre of the film. It's like, who's more evil? The guy who murders the bad guys, which is Darius, who only murders people he thinks are bad guys, or the guy who protects the bad guys, which is Michael, because he takes any job, regardless, he's just in it for the money. Um, The movie kind of flits tonally between this sort of screwball buddy cop 
style. Yeah, that which is what comedy. was advertised, like particularly the poster that was just straight up a parody of the bodyguard. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and it, but then it veers into like, there's this war criminal being tried, and we've got to get, we've got to stop him because if we don't get the testimony in, then he'll walk free, and and it'll be terrible. And like, there's a flashback scene that's of one of the witnesses' testimonies where he like busts into this professor's house and who's like been preaching against his totalitarian rule and like, executes his family in front of him. And then there's pictures of him like filling mass graves and stuff like that. It's like, ooh, totally this just doesn't sit ooh. quite right with all the dick jokes. Um, what you're saying is there is a film here I feel, it should have just chosen which genre yeah, it was. I feel like originally it was a more serious script Probably not called more, the Hitman's a, Bodyguard. A more serious either. action script about trying to get a witness to testify. And then they couldn't get it made. So they retooled it into a comedy with Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson. And that's how they got it made. Ah. And it doesn't quite gel. But, you know, it, if you, it's, it's a better time at the cinema than, than The Dark Tower. But <laughs> not by much. I've heard that there is one breakout performance in it. One really entertaining performance, specifically uh, Salma Hayek. She is fabulous in it. Who's she playing? She's playing Darius Kincaid's wife. Okay. Oh. Who is also in prison, but a different prison. Um, (laughs) And she's basically uber violent, like (laughs) really chatty, aggressive, strong Latina woman. Um, She has. She just has goes on these like foul mouth outbursts. Uh, <laughs> she's insulting. She's abrasive. There's a flashback to when her and Darius first met, in which she's a waitress at this bar in Mexico, and some customers are harassing her and start trying to touch her up, and she murders them all. Jesus and Christ! And like it's in slow, ador- it's in adoring slow motion as Darius falls in love with this woman as she's slaughtering her attackers. Okay. Um, so it's played for comedy. So there is a there um, is a dark comedy in here that there is a could dark work. comedy, but it doesn't quite gel with the more serious aspects of, yeah. of the story. It's almost like you needed Oldman to be more a supervillain rather than a believably kind of frightening yeah. real world possibility. And he is, you know, he's 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 got he does well with the stuff he's got in this, but it's just a bit. It doesn't quite work, but it, there's some enjoyable moments in it. But then some of the some of the jokes go on a little too long, ah, or don't quite land. Okay. Um, but for the most part, it's it's serviceable. It's fine. <laughs> Don't rush out and see it. It's all right. Are you saying it's a January movie? It's a January released movie. in August. <laughs> is, is that is that the gag? Is that did Movie Bob make the same gag in his review video? I, I think he. I can't remember if he made it for for this or for the Dark Tower, but for one of them, he, he was like, it. "Oh wow, didn't realize it was January already." <laughs> It's a great rating system for, yeah. for an underwhelming summer movie. It is, it is underwhelming. Uh, in the true um, Big Damn Cast fashion, how would you rate it based on a noise from your mouth? Mm. Nice. So, wait for Netflix or don't bother. Yeah. Um, <laughs> unless you've got an unlimited card or something. Um, so, Game of Thrones finished as well. Yes, it did. I Now, tell me about this because I do love some Game of the Thrones. I especially like when he rides upon the big furry dragon. Yeah. Um, sure, I've made that joke before. You've made similar jokes. I probably have. Yeah. I say jokes. <laughs> yeah. 
It's a generous term. Oh, dear. Um, well, you can't say I've not got my little finger on the pulse of oh, oh, oh. Or lack um, of pulse. Should we just go spoilers? Go spoilers. So, so if you've not watched the season finale of Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. Series 7, go watch it now, because we're going to talk about it in spoilery terms. Because I, I love it, but I've seen it, and Chris doesn't really care about Game of Thrones. I will watch, I'll watch it at some point. I think it's cool. I just, yeah, I, I, I will... I'm not in a rush to catch up. So, spoiler alert. First spoiler. Maisie Williams and Sophie Turner still can't act. Um, Sorry, I saw some scenes um, and I was like... I think that's a little harsh. I'm not saying they can't act, more so that they're... You literally com- just said they can't act. Yeah, I did. But I think it's that they're comfortable in their role. They're too comfortable in their roles, from what I've seen. Well, they've been doing it since they were kids at this point. Oh, no, but like too comfortable. Like, there's, they're not challenging themselves. It's almost like autopilot. And I feel like... I don't know. I think, I think it's the, the performing arts student in me is just like inflect for christ's sake <laughs> do some play with your dialogue don't um, just sit there and monotonously recite it i don't care if sansa's meant to be dead inside i don't give a shit anyway um yeah so is there a zombie ice dragon in this there's a zombie ice dragon in this yeah that is pretty freaking cool um is this what the Song of Ice and Fire is actually referring to? Quite possibly. The idea that siblings born of fire, now one of them not so much flamey, are about to go to war? Well, maybe. Um, Lou brought it up earlier in the week, and she, she mentioned, like, she said, like, oh, it's, it's incredible. I was like, oh my god, is this the Song of Ice and Fire? Is this what it is referring to? Because this is something that's not happened in the books yet, isn't it? Yeah. It might so, not even happen in the books. We don't know well, where the yeah. books are going. Yeah. And I, this, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the books just turn out to be um, basically the collected scripts yeah. for the TV show. It's deviated so like, far. Cursed Child style. Well we've, well, we've had so much of, like, <laughs> Characters being rolled into other mm. characters or omitted entirely, or things happening in a different order. They really. If Douglas Adams can adapt and readapt his own work into every iteration of Hitchhikers and change it up, George R. R. Martin can go, Fuck it, I don't care anymore, and then just publish transcripts of the TV he show. Hasn't, um... Mm. If it, look, if all the characters in Hitchhikers can die in the book and then suddenly be brought back to life in the next book in a way that references like the fifth radio series for some reason, then we, it's possible. We need to resign ourselves to the fact that The Winds of Winter is never coming out. Is that what the next one's meant to be titled? Yeah. And isn't, isn't it two that's due out? Yeah, Winds of Winter and A Dream of Spring. Jesus Christ, he's got the titles, but no freaking He's had the titles for years. Oh, God. Um, God. Dan... Uh, Dance with Dragons, which is book five, came out just before the first series of the show. Yeah. Jesus Christ. He spent so long writing this damn thing. Do you know what would be a smart move? Considering the show's possibly about to go on hiatus for two years What's for that? production reasons. The smartest move he could make would be to release the next one next year. That, I'm honestly shocked that he hasn't released it already. No, but that would be, if he's going to do yeah, it, it would make that sense. would be the ideal time to be like, hey guys, I know there's no Game of Thrones for another year now. <laughs> so enjoy this, motherfuckers! Yeah. And then just stick his big author's typewriter covered cock on the table. And then not finish Dream Do you think that's why it takes him to look? Because he uses a typewriter, doesn't he? He uses an old word processor. Oh, well, they are, they go from there. It's like DOS-based. So he uses a word processor. And he does like single finger typing. To type it up and then print it out 
page by page. Presumably, yeah. And then I'm assuming he'll have to... Oh my god, he'd have to give it to someone to just scan and then retranscript. Have you seen and... how long his books are? Yeah. Like... Oh my god. Just use a laptop, George. Mm. Send them chapter by chapter to the publishing house. And if, he's got... if push comes to shove, they could release them as... What's the next one meant to be called? Uh, Doom, Doom of Spring... Uh... Winter Winter. Well, then, if push comes to shove, they could release the Winter Winter Part One and the Winter Winter Part Two. At least they could be releases. And you could be making some money. They've had to do that when they published them in paperback. Yeah, oh, they yeah, had, they of had to split, split in two, isn't two it? of them. Book three and book five are both split into two for paper for paperback because they're Pink so fucking sake. long. Um, but you know, he's already turned around and said, "Well, if I don't, if I die before I finish the books, I don't want anyone else to finish them." <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> if he if if he doesn't get to the end oh, before God. he gets to the, his end, then they're not going to get finished, and that's the show so, is going to be all we've got in terms of what so happens. That's so hilariously territorial. Um, Unless he's using them as a totem, they're his familiar. <laughs> the moment he finishes These the last book, me alive. Yeah, the moment he finishes the last book, he'll die. Like he'll pass on. He'll send the last page, and then he'll die. Yeah. But um, he your tears was it um your sorrow is my playground. Your tears are the fountain I frolic in. <laughs> um, he lives off of everyone making, everyone weeping over the suffering he puts his characters through. Oh, he just put them through some suffering. What are the big old highlights? This finale. Um, the fuck. Well, not even this round. This this season has just been payoff after payoff after payoff after so much setup. It's all full of all sorts of stuff. Like I have been back to. Westeros and murdering all the people on the list and well, most of well the anyway. series opened with that didn't the it the series opens with, with her David Bradley disguised as the murdered Walder Frey which mm. she kills at the end of season 6 yeah because um, everyone was like for 5 minutes wait the fuck yeah what's going on yeah. poisoning all the Freys <laughs> it's like alright mass murder it's a um, nice day for a revenge response to the Red Wedding yep um <laughs> And then she finds out Sansa's alive and Bran's still alive and John's still alive and she goes to Winterfell. And John, by the, on the other hand, after being pronounced king in the north, has spent most of the season hanging out with Daenerys. Yeah. Trying to work out some sort of alliance. Yeah. And also, and also get, making sexy eyes at each other, which culminates in the finale with them doing their big old fuck. Whilst, and whilst at the same time the scene's being played in, revealing yeah, something really freaking horrible. two characters are finally putting together that he's not, in fact, the bastard of Ned Stark and some un, unknown woman, but is, in fact, the legitimate son of uh, Rhaegar Targaryen and Lyanna Stark. Which makes him Daenerys is nephew. Makes him Ned Stark's nephew. Ned Stark's nephew. And Daenerys's nephew yeah. because Rhaegar was her brother. Yeah. Her older brother. She was born after he died. Yeah. But um but that also that Lyanna yeah. and Rhaegar running off and yeah. not telling anyone. Yeah. Is what kick is what kicked off Robert's rebellion. Which put Robert Baratheon on the throne and ended the Targaryen dynasty. Jesus Christ. So but it also means that lineage, as, everybody. <laughs> as we now know, his real name is not Jon Snow; it's Aegon Targaryen. Oh Christ! So, he, meanwhile, look at these Targaryens. He's fucking. He's also the legitimate heir to the throne of Westeros, if you want to go that way. Yeah. Um. In terms of Westeros, well, they do. In terms of their in terms of Westerosi yeah. law, like they're very has, medieval. So he has yeah. a more legitimate claim than 
Daenerys. Daenerys. Yeah. But then he's also fucking Daenerys now. Yeah. So the 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 big relationship tease of the season has been incestuous nephew incest. Yeah. But also that's kind of what the Targaryens did. Yeah. Like the Mad King, Aerys Targaryen, the last Targaryen king was married to his sister. Yeah. So Viserys and yeah. Rhaegar and Daenerys were all born of incest. Speaking born of incest, um, Cersei's carrying Jamie's Cersei's child. Carrying, carrying her her fourth child by Jamie. Christ the Lord. first three are all dead though. Because Joffrey was a prick. Marcella was lovely but killed for no reason. Because well, killed out of spite by um, the Sand Snakes. Um, in... Who were the shit ninjas? Yeah, it's the, the, the ninjas who were built to do something really cool, and then get two of them get slaughtered by the 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 uh, Ironborn, and then the other two get captured, and one gets poisoned, and then one was left to watch her die. <sighs> the the <laughs> dawn plot was just like it was so perfunctory mm. and just mishandled, but it's done now, so whatever. Um, <laughs> whatever. I and also it. This series and how things are playing out is also giving you a clue as to what in the books is going to turn out to be not important. <laughs> and red herrings. Um, there are a couple of characters who are conspicuous by their omission. It's like, okay, well, that plotline's clearly going nowhere in the book. Uh, or nowhere important, anyway. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, <laughs> um, yes, where the fuck was I? Yeah, so, and now again, Tommen commits suicide because his mum killed his wife, along with a bunch of other fucking people. Um, so, so, she just blames Family everyone. reunions, less effort needed on the catering, but... Uh, well, basically, basically what happens <laughs> at least is, won't be expensive. in this episode, is that Daenerys and Jon finally bring proof of the army of the dead to King's Landing and show Cersei what's going on. And they try to do a truce so they can defeat the army of the dead, and then they can do whatever they want and have war against themselves, the rest of the five kingdoms, but seven kingdoms. But they're finally no... unite. They're starting to yeah. unite everyone to be like, "Look, we got beef, motherfucker." Because there's no our point. Beef pales in comparison to these zombie ass mofos, yeah. who are coming to kill us all. And they're saying, "Like, look, P.S. They have a dragon. We can, we can fight. We can <laughs> fight each other." Well, they don't tell them they have a dragon. Ah. Cersei notices that Daenerys only has two. Oh, I know, but yeah. they know the dragon's dead. But they yeah. haven't even thought that it might they might bring it back as a white. Oh, of course, that's they haven't even made that. The moment connection. I heard that it's like one of them has been killed, I was like, "Oh no, no, it'll be back. Yeah, it'll be back. It's going to be They're back. bringing it back." And they do in style, <laughs> and the walls come tumbling down. But basically, Cersei <laughs> is just so wrapped up in her own hatred and mania that she can't even put. She's convinced that she can buy an army to fight off the army of the dead, regardless of what happens. And Jamie is finally like, I'm having no more of your shit, woman. And fucks off, finally. Um, which has been a long time coming, because Jamie, they're trying, they, they make Jamie a more sympathetic character than you than he initially appears throughout yeah. the show. As time goes by, yeah. when you first meet him, you're like, who's this dude? Then you're like, oh, this is a slimy motherfucker. This guy is a right bastard. And then by now you're like, I kind of like this character and want to see where he goes Well, the thing with Jamie is that he knows that Cersei's evil. Yeah. And he knows that she's a bad person. But he loves her. I mean, that's creepy because she's his sister. Yeah. But he does love her. And he and he, and he will... And to a point, he stood by her through 
some horrific fucking things, which makes him a monster by proxy. Mm. But this is just the turning point. Of like, I think he's, I can't remember what the exact word as wording was, but he says to her, look, whatever happens up north, there's going to be a winner. Yeah. If the army of the dead win, they're going to march down here and they're going to kill us all. If Daenerys and Jon win, they're going to march down here and they're going to kill us all. Yeah. Like, it's... There's, there's no winning this situation. You, there's no... You can't... Buy, and she's like, well, I'm, I'm you know, I've, I've got the Iron Bank on my side. I'm going to buy the Golden Company and, and, and hire them to come and beat... To come and defend us and, and destroy all our enemies. And it's like, you can't buy your way out of this. You can't buy a future for your family. Because she's, she's like, I don't need you anymore, Jamie. I've got your baby. She's <laughs> never going to have that kid. No. Because it's the whole prophecy thing. Where like her, not, she'll she'll be queen, but all all the children will be queen, but she'll she'll will be royal, but she'll outlive them all, um, and she'll only have three children, and she'll die by uh, her brother's hand. Well, yeah, um, um, Jamie had his had one of his hands cut off, right? Yeah, yeah. Is it going to be some kind of weird twist of fate where that hand is used somehow no. to be the thing that well, kills her? A lot of people her. are thinking that Tyrion is <laughs> going to kill her. Uh, now that was, that, that was a scene Jamie's I caught in this finale because Jamie killed the Mad King, mm, yeah. which is why he's called Kingslayer. Yeah. Everyone's like, "Oh, you're a Kingslayer. You've got no honor because he was part of the King's Guard. Mm. You've got no honor." It was like, oh, "I just fucking saved everyone." Yeah, he was gonna blow the city up with wildfire, and I saved everyone. And now you call me a fucking Kingslayer and say I've got no honor. <laughs> I saved you all, you miserable fucks. That was a scene I caught as well during Lose Rewatch. Was Tyrion confronting Cersei? Mm. Fuck me, those two can act. Like that's that's yeah, the, the, so the juxtaposition good. of that to the scene they're I was taking so the piss good. out of earlier. Yeah. The, the thing where I was they're like, so, so "Oh my good. god!" Where he just says like he just basically spends like every waking minute dreaming, like wanted, wishing he could kill her as well. Yeah, and you just sort of go like, "Oh Christ, Dinklage, you are juggling a lot here." But also that he cares about his family and he yeah, does He loves the children. Yeah. It's, and they're gone now. The yeah. conflict going on within all of them at this point is is especially like in that scene watching those two. Who's the big motherfucking Darth Vader dude? So that is because <laughs> I just saw him and went, "Oh, it's Westeros Darth Vader." Right. So what happened was <laughs> there was there's a Lannister knight called Sir Gregor Clegane, and he's the brother of the Hound. Right. Oh. the hound in okay. the mountain. Which would explain the freaking size of this thing. Well, the reason that the hound is all burnt up yeah. is because when they were children, yeah. the mountain, Sir Gregor, pushed his face into a fire for playing with his toys. Fucking hell. So the hound is like, I'm going to fucking kill you yeah. one day. Um, but the mountain is just this enormous fucking hulking... Yeah. The mountain's the one that's been played strong. by two different actors. So yeah, most recently, yeah. no, it'll be uh, Pat Four. Uh, yeah. Hatthor Bjornsson, uh, who's the Icelandic bodybuilder. Ridiculous man. Yeah. Um, and he plays him for... Which is some great um, soda stream commercials. Yeah, so good. A few Game of Thrones people have been involved in those commercials. Yeah, yeah. It's really weird. Um, but yeah, he... So what happens is... The, there's a point in the season... Where, like, That's Tyrion, my Game of Thrones, the soda stream commercials. Tyrion gets put on trial and he chooses trial by combat. And so Gregor is the Queen's champion and... Oberyn Martell, who's come up from Dawn, he's looking for revenge against the Lannisters and Sir Gregor because his his wife, his sister Elia, was Rhaegar's first wife, mm-hmm. who of course he spurned for Lyanna Stark. Everyone yeah. knows that. Um, so he 
and she was murdered and her children were murdered by the mountain by mm. Gregor. so then he had the whole trial by combat and Oberyn almost beats him and he poisons him because he's got poison spear but in the mountain as a, as a last minute grab and just fucking caves his head over and pulls his is it is a yeah. horror horrifying screen scene where he just pops his head like a fucking egg Fuck. and it is just oh it's an it's an amazing episode and the fight is incredible and it's so tense and even having read the book and knowing exactly what was going to happen yeah it's like you just you just find yourself rooting for Oberyn and he just gets his fucking skull popped Jesus and that's another Christ. reason that that um the Sand Snakes wanted revenge against the Lannister. But anyway. Um, but because they don't want to lose him, Kyburn, who is um, Cersei's creepy assistant dude. Yeah. The guy, in the, he's played by Anton Lasser. He's the guy in the black robes. And he, he, the guy who picks up the hand of the white and is like, oh, this is cool. What can I do with this? Um, he basically uses his, because he used to be a maester. Yeah. Who were like the, the doctors and scientists of, of Westeros. But he was kicked out of the order and he had his chain taken away for doing weird experiments. And forbidden stuff. So he somehow uses his weird experiments and forbidden stuff. He to... fucked a stump. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and he basically turns the dying Gregor again into Franken Gregor. Okay. So that's what that is. That's what he is. Yeah. Holy balls! I didn't. I didn't actually expect that it would be a Darth Vader. Like, yeah, it's, 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 it's basically re- a Darth Vader. The, the retooled, yeah. screwed up, like walking corpse. Yeah, sort basically. Of thing. Oh, that's freaky. Yeah. Oh, God. So I'm gonna Game to, of Thrones I'm, gets weird. I'm gonna have to, I think I'm going to have to start there. It's very good. Where do I begin? Do, should I start with Fellowship or with an unexpected journey? <laughs> well, if you want to get the full history yeah. of uh, of Westeros, what you actually need to do is go and read Terry Brooks' Sword of Shannara. All right. Okay, actually, no, you don't. Um, <laughs> okay. No, um, just, just watch the show. Just watch the show. Watch it. Yeah. In any order. Uh, every episode is individual, yeah? Watch every episode simultaneously. Okay. Uh, <laughs> bring me bring me 83 screens. You'll, yeah, but it'll only <laughs> take you an hour. So there is that. Um, ah, well, well, 75 minutes for one of them. Well. Because that was the thing about this one. It was feature length. Do you think that was So their, was the previous episodes. Do you think that was their the way of going? Episode, been like 70 plus minutes. Do you think that was their way of going, okay, not broken the news to you yet, but it's not going to be any kind of thrones next. Yeah, so just, uh, here's an extra, here's an extra half an hour. I think it's more to do, and the reason that this was a short <laughs> season is them not having enough story to tell a full season, but nice. not being able to get enough episodes to tell one season's worth of story. Right. And that part of that is the structure of it, not being able to break that up into smaller episodes. Okay. Which I think is, what I think is reassuring about that is that HBO are looking at, at listening to the writers mm. and the grades of the show and going, all right, we'll let you do that. Fair play. And to, to the, like HBO want more Game of Thrones because it makes mm. them fucking tons of money. But um, DB Weiss and David Benioff, who are the showrunners, they turn around and say, "No, we're, we're doing one more season, and that's it." Because that's the story. That's the story told. This is always going to be a finite thing with an ending. Mm-hmm. Um, they're looking into other ideas like prequel series and stuff like that. And there is material yeah. to draw from. Yeah, like Martin's written like novellas of like stuff that take place a couple of hundred years before. Mm-hmm. Um, Game of Thrones about like sort of the houses of Westeros and stuff, but um, it'd be I think it'd be a shame to sequelize or prequelize. It yeah, I think really. it would be. Like, I, think I think it would the be a smart bad idea. move would go. Hello, the guys who 
make the show what it is. What do you want? To what do, do you want yeah. to do now? Because then you are going to lose some people. That always happens. But then obviously, if it's if it, they get to tell the sort of stories that they've been able to tell now in terms of their tone and and, and you know yeah. consistency, people will come. Because Game of Thrones didn't start off. As a massive hit no. for HBO, what it was, it, it, it was did, impre- it did well. It did by, well by the by the end of series one. Yeah, people were all hooked. And I think a big part, a big reason as to why people tuned in in the first place, from what I can remember, even with us like picking up the box set, yeah. was Sean Bean. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, what fuck, Sean Bean's is it like a, in a in a Lord of the Rings esky swords and and fantasy mm. thing? Fuck it, yeah, let's do it. Let's give it a watch. Borrow me of the show. Woo, let's do this. And then, you know, by the end of series one, they're like, yeah, so no more him. But we'll see you next year because you really like the funky platinum blonde chick and you're a fan yeah. of the tiny man. Come along next year. We'll oh, see you next man. year. Peter Dinklage is so good in this show. Like, he's the, he's easily the star of the show. Like, yeah. he steals every scene he's in and he gets all the best lines <laughs> and he's just a fucking terrific performer. That's very true. Um, what else was I going to say about Game of Thrones? I mean, what what's important about Game of Thrones and the, the legacy it's going to leave behind is how it's brought genre TV back into the mainstream. Yeah, so oh, everyone's doing yeah. genre TV now, and even and there's plenty it, of imitators. I mean, a friend of mine was the lead in the Shinara Chronicles TV show, right? Which, by all accounts, wasn't very good. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Poppy. Um, <laughs> um, I've not seen it. Um, but and then so on top of that. That happened. The Cherry Butcher Show yeah. scenario stuff get starting to be adapted to TV, and Sony have got the rights to the Wheel of Time, which is another huge epic yeah. fantasy um, yeah. series, and they're looking at you know working on uh, TV adaptations of that. But it's just allowed television to be a bit more to realise that if they get the writers and spend the money, they can see a, a not only see a big return on that thing, but also do interesting it things. It doesn't just have to be hospital dramas. And no, um, no, and 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 cop procedurals, like, and, you know, you without can dip a toe into the wider world of blockbuster storytelling. Without the success of Game of Thrones, I don't think we'd have got things like American Gods and mm. Preacher and uh, hell, even The Walking Dead. Yeah, because like, they started around the same. They time. started around the same time, but like uh, again, it's that thing of The Walking Dead would have been this weird standout anomaly, and instead, it's sort of it's a it's know, become part of a wider yeah. genre resurgence. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, if I, if I don't I, even like The Walking Dead. In fact, when Game of Thrones started on TV and, and Walking Dead started to kick off, like was this, that was the same time that like Doctor Who translated to the States as well, like the first yeah. Smith series. Yeah, yeah. The second Smith series in particular being the one that was like, Hi America, we see you're enjoying this uh, game of The Walking Throne Dead thing. So look at our thing with the man with the bow tie and the floppy hair. And it's, and it, it's it worked. Sort of, like the timing of that was perfect. So it's it, sort of expanding... Genre it's, television. It's, be, it's become event television again as well. Yeah. So um, that's good. And I You're like good. It. And I'm looking forward to the next and last series. Mm. It's a very good show. I know people are t- people have sort of like spat the dummy out with this season a bit, going like, "Oh well, the, how could the dragons travel this far in this time? And it's taking everybody too quick to get to, to to from point A to point B. It's like you really want to spend an entire season waiting for someone to fucking turn up at the right, like." This, they're compressing the the time that things are taking place in to tell the story. Yeah. Like, would you rather a whole season of fucking Sam riding from the Citadel to Winterfell because it's on the other end of the fucking country? No, 
Well, of course you don't fucking want that. You just want him to get there so the story can happen. So stop fucking nitpicking this show about dragons and ice zombies and fucking fireproof women and all that sort of weird shit and just enjoy it. Um, anyway, that's all I have to say about the Game of the Thrones. Um... HBO TV's The Game of the Throne. Speaking of enjoyment, your comments to me before the podcast indicated that you might be cooling slightly on uh, on the old Rick and Morty. Yeah. Tell me more about what what made you feel this way about the whirly Dirly conspiracy. Well, this week on the Rick and the Morty, minor spoilers ahead. Um, Morty tells Rick to take Jerry on an adventure, seemingly because he just wants like. Jerry, his you know, his estranged father at this point, sort of feel involved and get to talk to Rick a bit more, and they can maybe iron out some of their differences because Morty obviously feels like Rick has pushed Jerry out of the family. Well, I say feels like Rick definitely pushed Jerry out of the family. Now he's in charge, Morty. You're gonna cross me. I'll get rid of you as well. Um, <laughs> but like Jerry figures it out pretty much right away. So him and Rich decide, right, screw it. We're going to go to a very safe bar and just hang out and we'll tell Morty we went on an adventure and bonded. Uh, so they go to a place uh, which is sort of a mishmash of different species and planets all hang out there. It's a resort planet. Yeah, it's a resort planet. It's a theme park and restaurant and bar and all this. And it's covered in an immortality uh, field, which basically means that you can't die there. So it's the safest, like, most family-friendly place to go. Whilst there, Jerry is coerced into a room by a very angry alien whose species have beef with Rick. An angry alien played by Clancy Brown being absolutely oh, freaking brilliant. Not his species. Oh? He was assistant manager of the restaurant. Oh, is it? Okay. And Rick, got his jo- got, Rick lost him his job. Fuck. See, there we go. Simplify. Yeah. Even better. Uh, they're basically like, look, you want to get rid of this Rick, right? We can tell you don't want to be with him. So here's how it works. Go on the Whirly Dirly. It's the big ride here. It's a massive roller coaster. When you get to a certain peak, it just pokes out of the immortality field. All we're saying is take Rick on a ride. Make sure that you're not in the way when you get to that peak. And we can send you home afterwards, rickless and happy. How's that sound? <laughs> so Jerry, who like obviously is grateful that Rick hasn't taken him on an actual dangerous adventure, but is still like hates that hates his father-in-law Yeah, is tempted to do it. And then he sort of chickens out as they go on the ride. It's like, no, I don't want to kill him. But by this point it's too late. And it turns into a Jerry and Rick trying to escape the pursuit of these guys as they try to get back home. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the subplot I really freaking liked actually. The subplot was amazing. The subplot was very Rick and Morty. Um, where Summer is jealous that a boy she was caught in likes a girl with bigger boobs, so she uses a device of Rick's from the garage that like expands matter or whatever. Yeah, Points her boobs into the rain. Yeah, it, it, it transmogrifies matter. But then it goes a bit too far, and she basically becomes this giant flabby flesh beast that's filled the garage. <laughs> so Morty hits the reset on the device, and it basically sets her to normal proportion but, but for the size that she now is yeah. so it's an alice in wonderland like giant summer thing so beth determined not to have to let her dad do everything won't call rick despite what morty's saying because after the last few episodes she's trying to prove that no i'm not dependent on my father's approval and, and everything I, I can do this myself so it gets to the point where the machine 
reverts again, sort of back to factory settings, i.e. Summer is turned inside out to basically muscle tissue. <laughs> so there is now a giant, like, 35-foot-tall, muscle-covered, screaming, unable-to-say-English Summer, who then goes on a rampage trying to find her, her erstwhile boyfriend, and Morty and Beth are chasing after her, trying to fix everything. That was horrific. That was really uncomfortably Especially gross. Especially the way it ends. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> um, this was probably my least favorite episode of Rick and Morty. That is not to say it's terrible, but it made me realize something that I'm a little miffed about. What's that, Christopher? This What's got se- you miffed about this, this series? Rick and Morty? Obviously, we're still going through it, but mm-hmm. like. And we've we've been able to rewatch the previous two series as much as we want, but like this series has felt to me so far, like something's not quite right. I have enjoyed it, but it almost feels a bit off in places. And this was the episode that made me realise what it was. Um, I think it's focusing too much now on the family, uh, the dynamic and the problems that they're having, which used to be something focused on in the subplots of each episode. And interwoven nicely into the main plot at certain beats. Mm-hmm. It's like last series when, um, what was it, Morty abandoned Rick and stuff and ended up with Bird Person. <laughs> and he sort of see, he briefly sees that picture of Rick. Yeah. With what is clearly a baby Morty looking like like a really proud grandfather and stuff. He's like, who, who's who's that baby? And like they move on. But it gives you enough of that moment where you're like, oh shit, like, Rick does care about his grandson okay. which they keep zigzagging as well yeah they show moments of that like a series 2 opener as well like he's going to sacrifice in the different time streams all merging he yeah. gives Morty his thing and he accepts that this is he's going to die now and he sacrificed himself to save Morty but then series 3 opens with Morty. a similar thing where it's like oh Rick's done this to make everyone feel better and it's like no he's done it literally to tear the family apart and get Szechuan sauce like, that is all this is about. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, they're, they're zigzagging a bit too much. And, and I don't know. I just, I kind of want the focus to go back to the outlandish sci-fi concepts. Yeah. Being, being, being the, the context for the storytelling. Um, I feel like it's, I feel like the fa- I hate to say it, because I do like the emotion they put in the show. But I feel like the family drama is becoming the focus. And that's a shame. Because Immortality Field, cool. That was kind of it for the sci-fi concept, um, you know what I mean? Like, and, uh, like last week, Vindicators was a lot of fun, but it was just the Avengers meet Saw. Yeah, like that was it in terms of the sci-fi concept. Yeah, so I, I kind of want them to go a bit more outlandish. I've heard the next one gets really meta and sci-fi. Okay, um, and I kind of, I hope we've got another interdimensional cable at some point as well, just to sort of have a. Screw it. Here's some weird, here's be, the weird ideas. I would be disappointed if we didn't have another interdimensional cable. Yeah, I was disappointed with the second one at first, but having rewatched it, oh, I'm like, I no, really actually, like I really it. like it. I now. really like it. Um, <laughs> Especially the word of hurt song. Some that's fair. I, I, <laughs> Look at me. I'm Mister So and So. But yeah, really, really conspiracy worth a watch. Especially if you're a fan of Jerry. I liked it, and uh, I liked it because yeah. it was Maximum Jerry. Maximum Jerry. So well, I mean, Jerry. it opens Rick, Rick just saying, like, it's, it's, it's a Rick and Jerry episode. And you're like, okay. Rick and Jerry. Okay. Fair yeah. <laughs> right, Christopher. Left, Matthew. Pick a voice. Because it's emails time. Mm, it's emails. 
Um, I would like the email, first email to be read in the voice of the Emperor from, um, from Star Wars. Specifically, the end of Return of the Jedi. Okay, I'll see if I can remember that. Um, this one comes from... Pretty much prequel, just a little tamer. This one comes from Ginger Luke. The Ginger Luke. Ginger. The Luke is Ginger. The Luke is... Hey, Chris and Matt. Hey, On Saturday, my sister wanted us to see Moana in Kids Club. So we did. And I noticed how similar it is to almost every other Disney film. Specifically Pocahontas. Just putting that out there. There is an area where someone grows up and we are told not to leave there. Even though they want to think about it. Finding Nemo, Tangled, Frozen, Toy Story, Cinderella. Can you think of any more? Yeah, most of them. Disney sticks to very um, familiar formulas simply because it's storytelling for small children! I also <laughs> predicted that one of her parents would die. And spoilers. Her grandmother did. But I mean, the format works. I don't think they should stop. Back to school next week. <laughs> the amount of things that I planned to do but didn't. Do either of you have any anecdotes from your school years? <laughs> by the by, y'all. Uh, and, and a quick addendum. Oh, God. Full emperor. Go full emperor. Chris, wait, what? You're the new Fifu fan, but you skin Dan! Common misconception, I did not skin Dan. That was the work of a Slovene that looked suspiciously like actor, TV presenter, and YouTuber Chris Johnson. They specifically say that in the Six Who Fans miniseries. Why so... would you choose that form? Choose the form of the yeah. destructor. Uh, Dan Sherrett. <laughs> okay. It is Dan. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, uh, did Disney have a... Disney have a uh, not every film adheres to the formula exactly, but there are tropes that carry narratives in throughout a lot of their movies. One of them being like the wide-eyed dreamer who wants more. I think the Moana was a slight subversion of it. Hmm. Um in that so much of like, like particularly Pocah, I think, was it Lindsay Ellis who did a video about this? Recently, uh, yeah. Like, she did like, Pocahontas just video of... and the opening interspersed yeah. footage of Pocahontas and Moana at the same time and the description matched each and, one perfectly. And it does, it does, you know, follow that, follow that, um, that basic structure, but it does subvert elements of it um, and does make it more about Moana accepting herself rather than her destiny. Yeah, she realises everything and, she wants and needs is already where she is. Like, you know, she learns that, yeah. like, out there isn't where you want to be. It's definitely here, but you are right to want to learn more. You yeah. are right to want to expand and, and to adventure and everything. Because everyone else should be like that. You're the only one who can see it. So basically it was like, yeah. that, that was less, you know, yeah, like, I, I, I want to be something bigger. It wasn't that. It was just, I think we should probably like expand our understanding of the world guys yeah. 
I really want to do that. You guys should do it too. But I like I like Moana. I like that basic structure and the the, mm. the best the better Disney films tend to be good spins on that basic structure. Uh, yeah, yeah I suppose, like I say, it works. A lot of so their I original stories use this format as yeah. well. Like I think the ones we will find definite deviation is their uh, adaptations of yeah. pre-existing stuff. Uh, like Jungle Book, for example, doesn't have that sort of story structure at all. No. It's just about set pieces. Like with a basic narrative going through it, and 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 I wouldn't say Cinderella's about someone wanting more per se. I think it's Cinderella's more story of, hey, if you're a good person, good things will eventually happen to you. Yeah, you you'll, you might have to stick through the bad, but good stuff will come. Yeah, and a lot um, of these are based on like stories, morals. Yeah, and, and so all kind of traps a lot of them in the old school yeah. tropes of. The good thing that will come is that a prince will marry you. Yeah, but so. I, d- I don't think any of them are saying that's what that's the message. Like it's more a message of good things come to those who are good and kind. Christopher, do it just happens that a lot of these princesses, the good thing they want is to marry a prince. Do either of <laughs> us? Do either of us have any anecdotes from our school years? Uh, oh, I mean, it's narrow, narrow, narrow it down. I suppose. Um, I mean, it was it was it was shit. Yeah. That's my story. I was I, I was fine with um, high school. I suppose I'll say this: here's a moral for you. here's a random moral for you. I was sort of you know, still am nerdy, geeky sod throughout high school, which of course to a bunch of fucking basic assholes during high school is reason for them to pick on you or point it out or ignore you or take the piss or whatever. Um, then I got to year six and I was like the lead in the play and a prefect and one of the people organising like leaving do and things like that. And a sexy beast. And, yeah. Um, and suddenly there was a lot more respect from the people who'd been dickheads and twats. And I don't mean in a way where it was like, ah, yes, I'm better than you. I just mean in a way where they were suddenly opening up. So what I'm basically saying is... Um, you don't know what everyone's going through, people. When you go through high school, by the end of it, you're all human beings. Some people will still be dickheads, but ride it out. If someone's been an arsehole to you, don't hate them. Give them a wide berth, and eventually they might come round. But not for tea. No, not for tea. Hopefully not, anyway. Screw those fuckers. Um, pick another voice, Christopher. Oh, um... For Harry Draper. Colossus from Deadpool. <laughs> okay, this one is... Uh... <laughs> This one is... This might have been sent in error. Huh? Um, I think that. also contains spoilers for our future. Oh my god. This What's it called? Merry Christmas. Draft. <laughs> what? Note um, to self. This email is draft only. <laughs> and is to be sent over no earlier than 1st of December. Do not send over before then. Or else risk embarrassment. <laughs> That's really accurately. That's really Merry Christmas, Chris and Matt. <laughs> Hope you're looking forward to this most wonderful time of year again. As we reach the end of another hard, hard year. Blur. The last podcast you did in November was very good indeed. <laughs> I especially liked part where you accidentally invented nuclear fusion halfway through. But then forgot about it shortly afterwards when discussing Thor... Ragnarok. <laughs> all the best. Harry Draper. <laughs> P.S. In all seriousness, massive congrats to Chris on his appointment to the 10th 5 Who fan in 
five who fans in that snazzy series six eleventh Doctor Trenchcoat. You must have no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. <laughs> Just go this forward. This is somehow better in a Russian accent. In all your beliefs. <laughs> And prove to me that I am not mistaken in goodness me, Susan. It's the TARDIS! <laughs> PPS. If the Ninth Doctor and Rose could have had one more episode on television in 2005, what sort of story would you like to have seen in terms of setting, character, monster, etc.? Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for... Matt and Chris, two lifelong Doctor Who fans, reluctantly answer Doctor Who questions. Yay! Um, I, I, mm, I would have liked maybe one more story. Um, after the Doctor dances, just one more story with uh, the Doctor Rose and Jack, just to flush out their story in visual form. Uh, I, I'm not really fussed what sort of monster or, or tone or adventure, but it'd just be cool to be like. You know, maybe see one of those. Because obviously we see them leave at the end of that story. Mm-hmm. And then when we see them in Boomtown, we are sort of with Mickey in that we have no idea what these lot have been up to. But apparently they've been on adventures and had a right old laugh. So it would have been cool to maybe see one. Yeah. Uh, you can see a bunch of those adventures in a different medium. Um, you can read the Ninth Doctor ongoing IDW. Yeah. Uh, Titans comic, sorry. Uh, the Titans book. And, and that's set between Doctor Dancers and Boomtown, so there are plenty of adventures you can dive into, but it would have been cool to maybe have one more with those guys on screen. Uh, what was the question? That was it. Good. That's all the question. How about you? What what, what would you like to have um, seen? The I... Rose and the Ninth Doctor. I'd like to have seen another classic monster story. Hmm. Um, maybe a follow-up to the Autons. Yeah. Um... Because in the modern era, it feels like the Autons are associated with the Ninth Doctor. Yeah. Which is odd, because they only appear once mm. with the Ninth Doctor. But also, I, I would have liked to see a, a story set a bit further out in space. Which, yeah. I understand why they didn't do that for the first season, because budget and all stuff. And about, it was, yeah, it's about, it wasn't about until teasing, the second teasing season. Teasing time yeah. travel and grounding it on Earth a bit more. The second season, they got to play around with that a lot more, and it was it was better for it. But, um, yeah, a, I would like to see some something envi- setting out of space to with a classic monster. An environment where he really would have stuck out like a sore thumb, just yeah, a jacket yeah. and a jumper. Yeah. Yeah. So really that fish out of water thing that you, you get a little bit when it's in strange environments just push that a bit more to the extreme. And it would have been nice to see Eccleston just get to play with that sort of this is completely alien place kind of thing. Hello, hello. Um There you go. <laughs> that's the, that's the dialogue which written the script. Um Hello. It's Tom Monte. Oh my god. Uh okay. But there's only one uh, do voice. it in the Tom Monty voice. Yeah, there's, yeah. Only, there's only one thing we can do. Um, do it, crap, Vincent Price. Uh, <laughs> dear Big Damn Matt and Big Damn Chris. Oh God, it's Tom Monty. This email is split into five Who Fans related questions for Chris and GOT related questions for Matt. Ooh. I had the teeniest hunch that Chris would be the new member, so I thought I'd wait for the reveal until I wrote in, Congratulations, Christopher. (laughs) You had sneakily denied being the next hoofen when you've been asked in the past, but I always thought you'd be such a perfect fit, since you've already had such a prominent role in the channel. Some of more more recent videos. Can you provide any hints as to what we can expect from Chris's videos, Chris? Uh, no. Just 
watch the channel. I can't tell you anything. There, there are many planned and some already in production, but I, I can't, I can't say much else really. Also, if it were pre twenty seventeen and the weekly rotation was still a thing, what would your color have been? <laughs> That's a good question. Um. Uh, I too would be pink, like Phoenix, but a slightly different shade of pink, just to annoy people. Because people would be like, oh, like yellow, blue, green. Wait, pink and pink. Like You can't do that. Like You a, can't do that. And I'd be like, yeah, I can, while I'm sat there eating chicken fried rice. Like, a, rubbing like it a heliotrope. Yes. A or sort of pink, acid pink. Dog's tongue. Dog's tongue. Dog's tongue pink. <laughs> dog's it's tongue. A, it's a great carrot. That's my favorite carrot. My favorite crayon colour. Um, <laughs> just behind skin flesh. Oh. Uh, <laughs> oh. When were you asked for the role? And what was your initial response? Um, I was asked earlier this year by uh, Billy and John if I'd like to get involved. And I, my immediate response was, can I think about it? And then I thought about it for a couple of weeks and left them in the dark. Because I had to genuinely figure out if I could juggle it. But when they said, roughly we need a video once every five weeks. I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Alright. That and a few of the things made me go like, okay, we can make this work. And... and I'll, I, I can tell you this much about what to expect. Um, I It won't just be me. There'll be a bit of a cast. Uh, and one member of that cast might be kind of obvious. Hint, he's sat in the room with me. Hint, so, yeah. Stephen Moffat, where did you come from? I slipped in <laughs> through my clever must feel. Oh. Um, it's feel the clever. So, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to say too much, but yeah, yeah. When you look in the mirror, can you see yourself as a member of Five Who fans? Or do you think it's going to take time to sink in? Um, I mean, <laughs> having done stuff with them before, it just sort of feels normal, like, to carry. I just feel like I'm collaborating with them as I have done before, so it doesn't feel too... You know, like when we did like um Crimson Zone and stuff like yeah, that yeah. feeling of just yay let, let's take part and have a laugh and especially because my first video was filmed by Dan like Dan was on camera for that yeah so it sort of felt like okay yeah this is this, this sort of feels like normal um plus like I've known all of them for years so it's not really that unusual um just feels yeah just feel it, it just feels like working with a bunch of really cool people to make some really odd content which would be fun uh, but to answer your question, literally, when I look in the mirror, I just see Chris Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> I've never made you do that before. You sort of, like, yipped. <laughs> that was like a bark laugh. <laughs> that was really cute. Sorry, this has become awfully similar to what a post-new Doctor reveal Q&A is sorry. like. I'm sorry. I just had to point out that was really cute. Sorry, the, the cute man who laughs like a dog's about to answer some Game of Thrones questions. What did you think of the big damn finale of Game of Thrones? Blimey, a lot of shit went down, didn't it? <laughs> as we, as, Blimey, a lot of shit went down. As we've just covered, I, I, I quite I quite enjoyed it quite a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I really dig this season, and the finale in particular. It just feels very satisfying. There's a lot of payoff. It's not, nice. Not, not to like put you on the spot for this, but where would you rate this finale? In, in terms, terms of, of the recent, yeah, or, or specifically in terms of like the last couple of years worth, because there's been a bit of a trend, doesn't it? Oh, this is the best where, where people have said the penultimate episode's the one they always yeah. they always like 
come away from the series going that was the best one. This has been the best season for a couple of years, hands down. Oh, cool. Just because it just because it was it was getting to so much more set up, set up, set up, set up. And we were getting less payoff. But this year you um, got a big well, you got a big one because winter is definitely we, we got, coming. We got now. more payoffs, yeah. Winter is on so, its bloody way. The last couple of seasons have been understandably building to post book yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um well, there's, there's a bit of yeah. dragging it out yeah. in places because they um, kind of have to. And now we can finally get the results of all that stuff. Um, also, since I was physically unable to email in last week, what did you think of episode six? Do you feel like not enough people died? Because I feel like if the show had still influenced from George R. R. Martin, that more people would have bit the dust. Especially Tormund. Um... Sorry, he was physically unable. Was he strapped down? Probably. Physically unable um, to email. Was I'm really his glad. Thumbs removed. I'm really glad Tormund didn't die because he's one of my favorite characters. I think he might have died this week. I'm not. It's not very clear what's happened to everyone who was at Eastwatch by the sea, specifically Tormund, um, Gen- Gendry, and um, Beric. So we'll oh, see. My favorite hobbits, Beric. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, I don't. I don't feel like not enough people died. It was nice to not slaughter everyone for once. Um, what has been your favorite episode of season seven? Probably Beyond the Wall, episode six. Just to, to, for the penultimate episode. The penultimate episode, yeah, just yeah. for the, you know the dragons and all that shit. Although that being said, um, the dragon fight at the end of episode three. The, the the battle of, of Blackwater Rush was pretty fucking cool, so that, that's the contender as well. Um, do you feel like it should have stuck with the normal, better format of ten episodes instead of seven? Um, I think the best format for a series is how many episodes it takes to tell the story it's got to tell. So I, I wouldn't say that ten episodes is necessarily a better format, because I don't think there was enough story here for ten episodes. Like I was saying before, like, oh yeah, you could have more episodes of X person travelling to Y location because it takes longer, but I'm just glad they condensed that time and just got on with the fucking story. Um and <laughs> things actually happening. So yeah, I'm I'm fine I was fine with seven. I thought it felt like it, it felt like a nice number and I think leaving you wanting more is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, sometimes, but, sometimes tightening it is, is a good yeah. shout. As a season it felt nice and tight. Because um, uh, we yeah. don't want we don't want baggy seasons like nope. thirteen episode Netflix seasons of, of superhero shows, which I like, but they are baggy and probably and could do with a couple of episodes less. Um, so yeah, however many episodes it takes to tell the story you've got to tell, that's how many episodes your season should be. Um, especially now syndication is less of a concern, I imagine, yeah. for for a lot of TV. Um, thanks, big damn casters, and good luck, Chris, in your new position. Also, you're still going to be in this podcast, right? Not that I'm questioning your loyalty or whatever. I just imagine it. What your new role? Eat up a bit of time. Have a bloody wonderful week in between now and the next one. But not to suggest that you shouldn't have a wonderful rest of your lives. Your very own Tom Monty. What if the rest of our lives is only a week? That became very Vincent Price toward the end. Yeah, I'm working on it. I was like, I'm not suggesting that you're going to perish. <laughs> like, oh my god. Um, yeah, Big Dumb Cast going nowhere, Mother Truckers. We've maintained a consistent every single week run since it began, and that ain't going away anytime soon. Yeah, I was unless asked, one of us perishes in a fire. I was asked about this on the on the Adventures of Backing stream I did yesterday. Um, 
well, yes, yesterday was recording this, not yesterday, as, as you as you're listening to it. Um, yeah, this is this is our baby, and it's me and it's me and Dee. So like, it's it's our creepy, creepy, yeah. sexy, um Jamie incest baby. It's and... not really going to be any. It's not. <laughs> it's not a thing independent of us. It's what we do together. Yeah, if that makes sense. So it's not like we're looking to. to replace anyone there's gonna be no lack of big damn cast no lack of adventures in backlogging and no lack of redacted oh yeah there's gonna be things to come redacted um (laughs) and in another voice for three emails three separate emails three what the dickens from our good friend jacob right uh okay um since it's three voices uh you're gonna be three separate voices and let me do them all on all in the same voice I think it's got to be three, but they've got to be connected. How long are the emails? Are they sort of... Um, They're not ever particularly long. Um, That's quite a short one. Okay. uh, They're fairly short. Okay. All right. Uh, Pick a a franchise just off the top of your head. Um, I don't know. Good franchise. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. Uh, I'm going to go for The Simpsons. I'd like this first one. I can't do Simpsons voices. It's a challenge, isn't it? I would like this first one to be read uh, in the voice of Chief Wiggum. <laughs> All right, boys. That's uh, not bad. That's pretty off the top of your head. That is pretty damn good. Uh, hello, big damn cockers. <laughs> uh, Chris is the 10th <laughs> Doctor Who fan. I know it was you. As soon as I saw the green coat Smith wore in Series 6B, curse you, Steven. I'm so excited. As I said in the comments section, the universe of Doctor Who fans is now ten times awesomer than it was. Not to say it, it wasn't already. Chris is now my favorite Who fan, even though he hasn't even made a video yet. I love all the Who fans, but that bloke off the telly is now a member of the controversial Doctor Who group. I digress. <laughs> Am I the only Doctor Who fan you can't who can't stand State of Decay? I think how I feel about State of Decay is how people don't like loving monsters feels about loving monsters this is so bad and i've watched it four or five times and i hate it every single time time lash is where classic doctor who is at and to be honest i don't think time lash is not bad it's not good but it's not as bad as everyone says it is but what do you do cockers think of this episode serials if you like how excited are you for the last jedi i'm super pumped up uh, to quote the lego movie the Force Awakens is my favorite Star Wars movie, and not just because it has a very attractive Daisy Ridley in it, but because of the excitement I felt when I first saw it, and then, then I have a sequel to the movie really excites me. Before I go, oh. I want to ask you, what was the first movie you thought you, you thought as you were sitting in the cinema? This is shite. <laughs> For me, since I'm a young burn, was Batman very Superman Dawn of Jaundice one of my best friends like that pile of shite and constantly argues that it's a good movie, but we know it really, really, really isn't. Lots of love from the man with the golden knees, Jacob, sent from Jurassic Surgically Enlarged Knob. Again with the penile fixation, Jacob. Yeah. You've got, you got a fixation on peniles. Just do me a favor. What? Just say, take them away, boys. Take them away, boys. That's better. There it is. Um, you started Wiggum. You started typical Peter weird. Griffin as it went yeah. on. But that take them away, boys. You, you came. You brought me right brought back. You right back to Wiggum. Um, State of Decay. I've not seen bit. State of Decay. I remember watching it at least once. And going, eh. like, I didn't hate it, but I wasn't paying full attention to the TV at all times. I was doing other stuff. So um, is State of Decay part of um, 
Space. East Space. That's yeah, I think it, it is. Yeah. I've um, never seen it. I've never seen any East Space <clears throat> stories. It's Tom's last season, right? East Space? Yeah. Yeah, Tom's last season's the season that loses me a bit. Apart from bits of Tracker and Megopolis, I've sort of tuned out a little. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Time Lash? What do you think of Time Lash? <laughs> Stupid. But time Lash is bad. I'd have a fondness for it. It's, it's terrible. Rubbish. Yeah. It's rubbish. Yeah. Um, no what, what's the first movie you remember watching the cinema and thinking, this is shite? I, because I love film, I loved film unequivocally when I was younger, so I didn't yeah, really me see too. the flaws. Me too. The first one where I remember actually being sat in the cinema and going, oh God, was, it would have been 2004, I think it came out. So I was 13, it was King Arthur. Yeah. The Clive Owen film. Yeah, yeah. I'm sat in the, what was then the red cinema at the Lowry Outlet. Yeah, yeah. Um, with my friend Tom at high school and we just sat watching it and about 20 minutes in we both turned to each other and went this is terrible mm. and we just both realised it was really plodding how about you what was the first one that struck um, you it was shite there must have been one before this but the one it cuts deeper in the cinema because yeah. you've spent money like to sit there the earliest one I can remember being really really disappointed with and being like oh this is fucking awful as I'm sitting there watching it was uh, Wolverine. Like Origins Wolverine. Yeah, oh god. There must have been, I'm, I'm sure there must have been one before that, but I can't remember. Because that's 2009, so that's Yeah, that's there, not there must ago. have been one yeah. before that. Um, but, Jesus, that's mm. the one that sticks in my memory the most of, of what, sitting there watching it and going, fucking hell. <laughs> it is gash. Fucking hell. It is utter gash. Um, yeah, it's just fucking terrible. Uh, right. Hey, so... do you want to know the origin of how he got that jacket that he then loses so it can't be the same jacket anyway? Second voice for Jacob. Oh, all right. Uh, we're sticking to the Simpsons. Let's God. have. <laughs> let's have. Um... Ooh, ooh, ooh. We've had a Dan Cast. No, hang on. Who does Wiggum? Harry Shearer. No. Hank Azaria. So oh, let's have a Dan Castellanata character. Uh, go for Homer. Give us a Homer. Ooh. <laughs> I am too smart. I don't know if I can do it. I am too smart. It's M R T. I mean, it's M A R T. Oh, stupid, sexy Flanders! Nice. Uh, I have returned the Noah's Ark of podcast. The man with the golden knees, Jacob. I am more your question. What's better, Hellbent, or the Wedding of River Song? They are both shite. But which one is worse? Discuss. Once again, lots of love, Jacob. P.S. Do you think Davros has a knob? That one Kermit, is not it? A bit Kermit, but I'll tell you what, it wasn't quite Homer. Do me a favour, just say, oh, okay, Fred. Uh, okay, Fred. Great Barney Rubble. Yeah, it's a good Barney Rubble. Yeah, it's a good Barney Rubble. <laughs> okay, Fred. Um, Which is not, not that far from Homer. Um, <laughs> do you think Jacob has a knob? Dav Davros has a knob. <laughs> well, that's just a Freudian slip. Well, Jacob could choose to have one or not, yeah. but... Um, Davros, I, yeah. I don't think there's anything left yeah. below the no, waist. I think he does have one. I think that's why um, one of his hands is always down there. He's got lots of knobs on his chair. Um, <laughs> oh, see, I love how you were like, the innocent, like, yeah, he's got loads of mother control power. <laughs> and I'm there saying, he's always jerking He's always off. just... <laughs> so just he, that's how he powers the chair. Um, <laughs> so he powers the chair. It's like a hamster in a wheel. What's better? <laughs> what's better? Hellbent on the river song or river, Wedding of River Song? Uh, Wedding River Song. Yeah, if I had to pick the two. Uh, hang on, yeah, wait. Wedding River Song is um, is the series six finale, isn't it? Yeah, Wedding River Song series six finale yeah. with the eye patches and and the 
Tell me, Doctor, what happened to time? Yeah, I'd, I'd pick Wedding Room Song over Hell better. Yeah, anyway. yeah, any day, any day. Um, still not amazing, but it's at least got like Simon Callow's Charles Dickens on the BBC Breakfast sofa and things right. like that. So you know, fun. All that, all that good shit. It's fun, isn't it? <laughs> um, third voice for Jacob, please. Uh, okay. Um, uh, stereotypical nineteen forties gangster. Ah, see? <laughs> you immediately win the point by saying C at the end of the first try. Now, see, I've just thought of something. Peter Parker is a horny 15 or 16 year old teenage bloke. He's often very stressed out. Well, my thought was how often do you think Spider Man slash Peter Parker has a spider wank? Just, just pounding it, as Chris would say. Well, as I would, I play, as I would plagiarize from someone else. I apologize for the random stream of consciousness, but you guys, especially Chris, you enjoy it when it happens. <laughs> Lots of spider wanks love. Jacob, sent from the Spider-Mobile. I'm not answering this question at all. No, I'm not answering um, But I will say this. Uh... Why has, I suppose because Spider-Man's books are meant to be family friendly, but why has no one at any point done a gag in any comic book series? Deadpool probably has done this at some point. Yeah. Where a spandex-wearing hero has encountered someone they find incredibly attractive and they've made a joke about the fact that they clearly have an erection. It must be done. It's got to be done at some point. I'll find it. I'll find it. It's got to be done at some point. Like, it'll never happen in a Spider-Man book, ever. But, like, let's be brutally honest. Rewind back to what the 60s, 70s. Spider-Man first meets Black Cat. You're telling me he doesn't have an embarrassing shame about his embarrassing person. shame. Spider sense is tingling. Did is not... she a danger? No, it's because I'm pointing at her. Did that not happen in um... Ultimate? Ultimate. Uh, if it did, not in not visually, it might have been referenced in in a, in a bit of dialogue or something. There was that magical moment in Ultimate where the spin in the Ultimate Universe is that she's like in her late twenties and stuff, and he's. 16 at this point yeah there's a beautiful bit where they, they actually finally do sort of make out and he takes his mask off properly and she just vomits you're a child because obviously you know in america and you're meant to be like what 18 or above i think is the is the um official proper age of consent for sexual activity yeah in 21 i think uh, you're gay in the no, states it's 16 no no 16 over here uh, I think yeah, it's 18 it's over there. Yeah. Oh, God, okay. Yeah, because it's... Whenever there's stories about, like, sex being brought up in British sitcoms and things like that, and stuff like that, like, things like Skins and things like that, yeah. uh, American audiences have been like, ooh, that's Ooh. weird! It's like, no, it's not. Over here at 16. Um, but, yeah, like, I'm sure... I'm not going to talk about Spider Wanks, but... No. Spider Boner would be hilarious. Uh, I would assume that he masturbates as much as most people do. Yeah. So whatever the answer is in your head, that's the answer. Hey. Um, I need a voice for Billy Treacle. Billy Treacle. Yeah. <gasps> Ooh, right. Um... Our, our friend, your friend, <laughs> and mine. Billy Treacle, <laughs> keeper of the Journal of the Wills. Yeah. Billiam Tresillium. Alec Guinness as Obi Wan Kenobi. Oh fucking hell! I hate you so much. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Now that's a name I haven't. Uh, no, that's 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 a name I haven't heard in a long, long time since. Oh, before you were born. <laughs> Come here, my young friend. <laughs> Just to I clarify, know. this isn't the email. This is Matt practicing. Of course, I know him. 
He's me. <laughs> How's it going, lads? Chris, now that you're on Five Who Fans, I'm going to be contacting you for things in regards to the channel entirely through this podcast email section. <laughs> we need your introduction video by Friday. You can't film that sketch about John Purby being played by a baked bean because Crystal thought of it first. <gasps> oh, and you, you still owe us five pounds to go towards the grand annual Five Who Fans pizza party. <laughs> I think that's it for now, but I'll get in touch during next week's podcast <laughs> if anything else comes up. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, the Defenders, right? I had a pretty similar reaction to you. Two. I found all of these Marvel Netflix shows to be bingeable, enjoyable, but forgettable. This latest series has epitomized that all rather nicely, although it also benefited from shrinking down the number of episodes to eight, and I do hope the others follow suit. That said, the last episode was cliche-ridden to the point where I burst out chortling a few times. Highlights include Jessica Jones diving in last minute and asking, You miss me? Daredevil obviously are not being dead. Seriously, why do these people still think they can try that one on us? And of course, Daredevil whispering something to the Iron Fist that we don't hear until later. But really, defend my city. Why whisper that? <laughs> Incidentally, these are all things the Time Agent Series 3 is guilty of. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> oh my god, take a shot, everybody, if you got that reference. <laughs> Questions in regards to the last trope, though. If you were to whisper something of either importance or total redundancy into someone's ear during a series finale that the audience won't hear, what would it be? <laughs> Keep up the good podcasting, boys. Yours, Billy. You even did a hand gesture when you finished off there. Jedi hand gesture. That's pretty great. <laughs> to be fair, just uh, just tell me, will the, will the Tusken Raiders be back? They always return in greater numbers. <laughs> Uh, what would you whisper... Uh, thanks for your thoughts on Defenders, Billy. Cheers. Um, glad to know we're not the only ones who are just like... Yeah. If, if I was going to my death, and I had to whisper something... Or possible death head, before you yeah, inevitably wake I up would, in a, a no I would lean in and I'd go... Delete my history. <laughs> <laughs> good. That's a good one. Clear the cash. <laughs> Um, yeah, delete just... the folder labelled home movies <laughs> <laughs> clear the socks out from underneath <laughs> before my mother sees them um, no. leading in Adric was right <laughs> under the mattress <laughs> them all um i never completed kingdom hearts 2 i just watched the ending on youtube i've never finished kingdom hearts 2 <laughs> i need to go back to that i'm i'm, I'm gonna have to do adventures back like around kingdom hearts at some point <gasps> oh god um sorry was that the was that were you recoiling from the volume of that recital because uh, I think it's very vital. 
Or <laughs> were you just recoiling your horror at the thought of having to complete Kingdom Hearts 2? I never, uh, probably, yeah, definitely complete Kingdom Hearts 2. I don't have them, though, so... Are you ready to learn that the true hero inside you, inside all of us all along, was there because of our love? The love in our hearts, Matthew. Oh, I thought that was already the point of the scene. The love in our hearts, Matthew. I'll put the love in your fucking hearts. So you know, oh, look, let's just... Let's have a spider wank. I don't want to carry on anymore. <laughs> I just want to stop. Right, prep yourself and I'll get my web shooters. All right, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to get in touch with us during the week, uh, you know what to do. Big damn contact at gmail.com. Uh, you can also hit us up on Twitter at any time, at Big Damn Cast. Regular adventures of adventures, 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 blah, 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 regular episodes of adventures in backlogging. I'll do that again, no one noticed. Uh, we'll be up every week on YouTube. Uh, we've got a few more treats in store as well. I didn't so keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, you can catch both of us popping up in nonsense over on Fifu Fans. Uh, and as always, uh, feel free to sit here awkwardly as we begin to play the theme song uh, right about Ooh. now. <clears throat> Good theme song, isn't it? Yeah. All right. Best one. Big wiggling nibbles. Hey, I'm gonna watch. 